Happy Lord's Day. I haven't been able to greet you. Happy Lord's Day for a while from up here, so it's a joy to do this tonight. Because man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, please take your Bibles. And we're going to look at a few different passages, so start in Acts 14. Acts 14, 23. And then we're going to look at Hebrews 13. Yeah, Acts 14, 23, and then Hebrews 13. Acts 14, 23, Paul and Barnabas are on their missionary journey. Uh, I think this is their second missionary journey. They're on their way back, so they plant churches, plant churches, plant churches all along a certain pathway. And on their way back, we read this in verse 23. Well, let me just start in 21. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. So there are the cities that they just planted churches in. Strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So that phrase in 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church. And then go to Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, 7 and 17 on leaders in a church. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. And then verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. This is the word of the Lord. May the word of Christ dwell richly among us in all wisdom. Father, we pray now that your word would guide us and grow us and give us wisdom in how to think about life and ministry uh, in our own lives, in our families, uh, for our neighbors, for this local church and for the future uh, local churches and other local churches that we have the opportunity to bless and even transfer to as you move us along for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I have here printed out a um, the report of um, the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee's response to sexual abuse allegations and an audit of the procedures and actions of the Credentials Committee. Almost 300 pages here, 288 pages of report here, and it is uh, devastating, it's heartbreaking, it's sad. There's a lot to process there. Um, John already mentioned it a few times, and we'll be thinking about that even as we're getting ready for our convention next month in three, three weeks, uh, just under four weeks. We'll be gathering together as a convention of churches to think about what we should do. What this report indicates, among other things, is a failure of leadership, a failure of leadership, and not just a failure of leadership, a failure of pastoral leadership. Pastors who lead churches who have failed to hold themselves accountable, to let themselves be held accountable by others, and to hold others in their church accountable, and even others in the convention. And it's really sad and heartbreaking, but the point here is that biblical leadership is important and the health of a church depends largely, not completely, but largely on healthy church leadership, a biblical understanding of church leadership. 
You know of some churches that have um, been split over leaders who have failed and disqualified themselves from ministry. You might know of other churches that have a leader who's been there for a long time with a long tenure of weak and unhealthy leadership in a local church. You might know um, churches where there are pastors and they hope to raise up a plurality of pastors, but they don't raise up pastors not for five years, not for 10 years, not for 15 years, not for 20 years even though it's their biblical conviction to raise up a plurality of pastors, but no one's ever ready enough. Um, there are many different ways unhealthy biblical church leadership can manifest itself in the life of a church and affect the health of a local church. So we wanna think here for the next 10 minutes just briefly about a plurality of pastors. Just um, does the Bible teach it? Why do it? And what kind of culture do we want to set in our church? All right, so let me break this up into three things. Evidence that the Bible has for a plurality of pastors. Secondly, a rationale why we should want a plurality of pastors. And then thirdly, and just really practically, some characteristics of a, of a healthy leadership culture in a local church, okay? Characteristics of a healthy leadership culture in a local church. So look at some evidence. So first of all, going to, um, you guys are in Hebrews 13. It says there, remember your leaders. And in Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders. Okay, this is presumably speaking to a local church. We don't know that for sure in terms of the audience of Hebrews. Is it many local churches? But here you have the, plur the word pl uh, plurality uh, leaders in the plural. If that was applying to local church, that would be evidence, but we don't know that for sure. But if you go back to Acts 14, 23, the passage I told you to look at earlier, you see Paul and Barnabas, it says they had appointed elders for them, for the, for the people in every church. They have appointed elders, plural, in every local church, in every local church. Uh, that's the pattern throughout Acts. Acts chapter 11, verse 30, Acts 15, verse 2, 4, 6, and 15. Uh, uh, Acts 15, where it's the, the Jerusalem council, you have apostles and elders of the Jerusalem church. In Acts 21, or in Acts 20, Paul calls the Ephesian elders together. The um, elders of one local church, he gathers them together. You have this also, look at just uh, maybe a few more passages. Look at 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4.14. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy, Timothy, with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Or you can have it by the eldership, by the group of elders, the council of elders, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's a group of elders that are laying their hands on Timothy in the church at Ephesus, okay? So you have a group of elders there um, appointing, recognizing, praying for, setting Timothy apart for pastoral ministry. Um, everywhere you see elders in the New Testament, you see it in the plural. Let me give you... Uh, two more examples. James 5.14. Look at James 5.14. If anyone's sick, if anyone has COVID, what can you do? You can do James 5.14. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church. Elders, plural, elders of the church, singular. And they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so on. And again, I'd love to talk about prayer and sickness, but that's not the point for this uh, lesson this, this evening. The point here is that there are elders of a local church. And then 1 Peter 5, you're in James, so just turn to the right. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Peter says here, I exhort the elders among you. 
as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ. So elders in the plural. Every time you see elders in the New Testament, it is always, 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 always in the plural except in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 when Paul is giving the qualifications of an elder. Other than when he's listing out the characteristics, qualifications, uh, main um, oh yeah, descriptions of an elder, whatever you want to call that list, that's the only time it's in the singular. In other words, the New Testament pattern is that there are a group of elders, overseers, pastors in every individual church. That's the pattern. Okay, so let me just now move on from the, the evidence in the New Testament. And there's more verses. First um, Timothy 5.17, if you're taking notes. Acts 21, 28. So let me give you a rationale of why we should pursue a plurality of pastors. Now, we have it at our church. We didn't always have it at this church. When I came in uh, 2014, in November, I was the only pastor here until August 2019. So almost five years until we installed Ben Bratcher up here, and he um, took his public oath here before the church, and the church uh, promised to follow his leadership, and then we added Johnny, and then Peter, and then John, and then we sent one away uh, to missions, but now we have uh, four elders, pastors, overseers of our church. Why, why have a plurality of pastors in a church? Let me give you a few reasons here. One, two, three, four, five, six, six major reasons. There's a few sub-reasons. Don't worry about counting. Just here's a bunch of reasons, okay? So, um, Number one, first reason why is because it follows a biblical pattern. It follows a biblical pattern. Now, I say a biblical pattern, not a biblical command. Okay, I want you to understand that. The New Testament doesn't command that you should have a plurality of pastors. So our church is sinning if they have only one pastor. Not necessarily. Church is not necessarily sinning. It might be unhealthy. It might not follow the pattern, but it's not a command. So when you're talking about obligations, we're talking about something that's a good pattern, a good idea, something that's healthy but not commanded. So a church is not sinning for having a solo pastor necessarily. Now, they might be sinning for other reasons in it, but not necessarily for having a solo pastor. But it is the biblical pattern, okay? So we want to follow the biblical pattern. Reason number two, having a plurality of pastors shares pastoral burden. It shares the pastoral burden, the pastoral load, the pastoral accountability for oversight. Hebrews 13, 17 is, at least for me, pastorally, uh, maybe tied with James 3, 1, as the scariest verses in the New Testament for pastors. But I think Hebrews 13, 17 edges itself out in my mind as far as fear struck in my own heart. Where it says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. It's a scary thing that from November 2014 to August 2019, I am the only one who's going to be standing before the Lord for the members of BBC from that time frame. Um, but praise God, from 20, August 2019 on, Ben and I get to stand together for accountability there. And then Johnny gets to stand in, and then Peter gets to jump in, and then John, for, for various seasons of when you're pastoring, you are accountable before God, and you'll have to give an account to God for your pastoral ministry. So we want to share that pastoral accountability. It also helps in the sharing of pastoral burden. It, it diffuses criticism. So it doesn't just go to one of us. It goes to all of us, which was super helpful for me in 2020 um, when we had a, a certain situation here. And it was really helpful that there was at least three elders at the time. I don't know if I would have made it through 2020 uh, without 
a plurality of pastors. It also strengthens our pastoral team for strengthening the church to do church discipline. Stages three and four, bringing it to the church and excommunicating. It's not necessary. We actually excommunicated one member here when I was the solo pastor. So it's not absolutely necessary, but it does strengthen the ability for pastoral burden of leading the church for corrective discipline, okay? So that's the second reason. Shares pastoral burden, load, and accountability. Third reason is it supplements the deficiency of one pastor or even... It supplements the deficiency of two pastors or fewer pastors. The more pastors you have, I mean, even between John, me, Peter, and Ben, the four of us don't make up for all the deficiencies. We certainly help each other with making up deficiencies, but even then we have deficiencies among the four of us together. That if we have a fifth pastor and a sixth pastor and a seventh pastor, it would certainly help with those deficiencies as well. So having a plurality helps supplement the deficiencies of one pastor or fewer pastors. Deficiencies in gifting, because we have some gifts, and better to have four men with gifts than one, but there are deficiencies in gifting. There are deficiencies in time. I only have so much time to spend with people. And then me and Ben only have so much time. And then Peter and John. So, But the more you have, the more time that pastors can spend with members of the church. So there's time deficiencies. There are geographical limitations. You can only be in one place at one time. So it's not just the time, but the place. You can only be in one place at one time, but you can have other pastors having different conversations at the same time. So it overcomes geographical limitations and then relational limitations and deficiencies. Because not mo many of you don't like me as much as you like John or Peter or Ben, and that's fine, that's great. We all have different relational strengths and re relational capital with different members, and we all don't need the same capital with each member. Now, that doesn't mean that we should only, that John or I have the right to only minister to a certain amount of members and neglect other members. We're all responsible to serve and pastor and love. It's our privilege to, to serve all of the members, but different members have relational strengths and weaknesses with other members and situations. And so that makes up for relational limitations and deficiencies. And then the big one here is um, wis wisdom, perspective in, in, in decisions we make. So Proverbs 15, 22, and there are other, other Proverbs, but let me just turn to one because I only have a minute or two here left. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. With many advisors, they succeed. And so um, having more pastors, more perspective, more prayer, more thoughts, more opinions are, are helpful. Let me just list the other ones. Um, it indigenizes leadership because usually when you first hire, when they hired me, I was from the outside coming in, but now hopefully we would hire from the inside just because um, it's our church family. It builds another layer of accountability. Now, I am not one who says pastors are only accountable to pastors. We are accountable to the members of the church, but another layer of accountability is accountability to other fellow pastors. It also checks solo pastors from authoritarianism and pride. In 3 John 9 and 10, Diotrephes, or Diotrephes, loved to be first and was keeping other apostles out of the church so that he could have supremacy in his local church. Having other pastors there checks the pride and authoritarianism of a solo pastor. All right, so those are that's some rationale. Let me close here with some characteristics of healthy leadership, and I'll leave it to John as he uh, fences the table to preach the gospel. Okay, so characteristics of a healthy leadership culture. Let me just say what, what I'm trying to cultivate here, what I hope John and Peter and Ben are trying to cultivate and future pastors. Here are a few things I want to cultivate in a healthy leadership culture of a church. Deference to the word and the spirit when we talk to each other. I want us to defer to the word. I also want us to listen to each other intently. I want us to defer to one another where possible. 
And I also want us, at the same time as we're deferring to each other, we need to clearly communicate our convictions, our concerns, and our position. So we need to disagree with each other. When we disagree, we need to be honest about that disagreement. We need to be straightforward about that disagreement. If we need to actually vote against each other, we need to vote against each other in pastor council meetings, just like in a congregational meeting. Um, pastors also, also, I want us to be investing in each other, and I hope we do that, and I pray we increase in that. Our pastors also need to be investing in the members of the church, the men and the women of our church. We need to be investing in you personally. And then lastly, and this is specifically for pastors because we're all investing in each other, pastors need to invest in men who reveal potential and possibly aspire to pastoral ministry. Pastors need to invest in men who, who show potential and who might even aspire to pastoral ministry. It, it increases, so having more pastors increases our capacity to invest in members of the church because you members will build up each other because church family, you are the one who build up pastors. As you hold other pastors accountable, as you share takeaways, as you share blessings and prayer requests and counseling situations, you are strengthening people in our church and you're strengthening men who will potentially pastor our church family. So the Bible has a pattern of plurality pastors. There's, a good, there's good reasons why we need to have plurality pastors, and we need to pray for and um, work to cultivate a, cult, a healthy culture of church leadership uh, if we're going to have a healthy church. Let's pray. Father, take these thoughts on a plurality of pastoral leadership and strengthen our church. Strengthen John. Strengthen Peter, strengthen Ben, strengthen me, strengthen the future pastors who are coming, strengthen those who will pastor in other churches but who are members of this church now, strengthen all of the men and women of this church who disciple each other and confront each other and confess sin to each other and share burdens and build each other up and disciple each other, strengthen our church to, to raise up and strengthen future pastors from this church family, not only for this church but for other churches in LA and indeed even among the nations. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.